Welcome to episode two of the Swift Teacher Podcast. One lesson at a time towards Swift World Domination. Joining us today is Douglas Kiang. Doug is a speaker teacher and workshop presenter with over 25 years of teaching experience in independent schools at every grade level. He currently teaches at Punahou School, where he teaches computer science and supports faculty in the one-to-one program. He is also a keynote speaker and presenter for edtechteacher.org. Douglas holds a master's degree in technology, innovation, and education from Harvard and is pursuing a doctorate in global education leadership. He is a Google certified trainer and an Apple distinguished educator. Good morning, Douglas. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you today? I'm quite well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Ah, Thanks for making the time for us. So we know you teach at Punahou on the big on the island of Oahu. Yeah. But what do you teach specifically? So I teach computer science, and so I teach an AP computer science course. We're following the new uh, AP computer science principles uh, curriculum. I teach an advanced course in Java. I teach a course in iOS app development, and I also teach an intro course in game design. So it's kind of a kind of uh, lots of different entry points for kids here who are interested in coding and, and programming. What age levels do those range from? Well, I work primarily in the high school, so these okay. would be kids between you know, 14 and 17 years old. Um, but we also do introduce coding and programming right down from kindergarten. And so I work a lot with the teachers um, and the, the specialists over on the junior school side as well. So um, it's fun. A lot of the kids you know, I, I am teaching now, I saw back when they were in fourth grade. So it's neat to see them coming up through the grades and maintaining that interest. Yeah, I bet it's interesting to see how they've grown uh, in maturity and with uh, knowledge of coding. Yeah, absolutely. I know you have an English background. So what was your journey to coding and teaching coding? Well, you know, I was very much a speech and debate kind of person. I took all the advanced English courses. I was a writer in high school. And then uh, when I went to college, I uh, ended up taking a computer science course because I'd always liked just tinkering and playing with computers. I liked playing computer games. And, um, and I started taking a computer science course and it was taught by a professor who was terrible. <laughs> and she just, I sat in this lecture hall and I just felt stupid. And, you know, I had never really been one of those kids. I never thought of myself as a math science person. Um, I was just simply taking it out of uh, basic interest. But what happened was we had small sections and there was a TA there who was just um, remarkable. And he really, we were working in a smaller group and he got me to really see the beauty of coding and of algorithms. And eventually, I came back and um, was a TA for other students. And so what it did is it really made me a believer in um, how, you know, small scale interactions can really change um, how people see themselves in terms of learners, and also as programmers. And it also uh, is kind of surprising for me, and in many ways, I'm back teaching at my old high school. So this is the high school that I went to, and um, 
you know, to be actually in the mathematics department and <laughs> teaching a subject that I used to dread going to when I was in high school. Um, it's, it's been, it's given me a lot of hope. And so a lot of our focus in, in building these classes has been to try to get lots of different kinds of kids, not just the kids who self-identify as really loving math already or loving science. We want people to see that, you know, you can be, you can be writers and artists and designers and still uh, find a place for yourself in terms of learning code and learning programming. Because, you know, I think um, what we're seeing now is it, it's, it's never been uh, so important, I think, for everybody to have a, like a basic level of coding literacy. Yeah, it's, it's funny how uh, I had a similar experience in college uh, learning to code in basic from somebody who was terrible. And uh, it was a requirement of being a math major, but it's funny how I think a lot of us who are teachers have a similar experience. What is your favorite part about teaching coding? Um, for me, um, I think what I like most about coding is the problem-solving aspect of it. I've realized, you know, I've always liked puzzles. Um, I've always liked mysteries. And so for me, taking on a, a programming challenge is really like take, tackling a small mystery. Um, you have to kind of isolate all the variables and see, well, okay, well, what are the, what are things that are possible and what are things that are not possible and what things have to happen at certain times and which things have to happen first and second and third. And so for me, uh, it's, it's really a process of patient problem solving. And that's what we're really trying to teach the kids is how to become more patient problem solvers. Yes, if you get that piece of teaching your students how to be more patient problem solvers, please let me know, and yeah. uh, you might want to write that down somewhere. There might be a mint to be made. Well, um, one of the things that we do in the fall is we hold a puzzle day, and this is before we've even really dived into any kind of programming language, but we have a bunch of um, puzzles, just paper and pencil puzzles, and we um, hold a, a Saturday morning and we have the kids come into the library and we pass out the puzzles and we play music and we have pizza and soda and uh, we make it a collaborative event. And, you know, this is at the beginning of the year when kids don't necessarily know each other very well. And so they'll form puzzle teams and they'll solve puzzles. And it's, it's a great time. And I think it really gets across that idea that, that good programming really is, is a process of problem solving more than you know, anything else more than mastering a specific language, for example. Yeah, good point. Excellent point. Uh, are you teaching Swift at all on iOS or Mac? I am. I am. We, you know, for us, we require all of our students to take the AP Computer Science Principles course as a prerequisite to the more advanced courses. So I know that for my kids who are coming into the iOS app development um, course, they all have a year of C. Mm -hmm. So they understand about memory management, um, that will give them some background so that when they come across legacy stuff that's been programmed in Objective-C, you know, they'll know more about how to navigate that. And, uh, and then we just sort of start teaching them Swift. So are you using the app development with Swift course on the Mac? Yes, we start with that. Everybody starts with uh, app development, um, the everyone can code, curriculum that, that Apple has put out. Um, we also do a section on design. Um, so we have the students go through a design code uh, series of activities, and then we kind of branch the kids out into picking an independent project. And a lot of the kids will individually learn different things that are relevant to the project that they're doing. 
And, and are your teachers at the primary level or middle level, are they using the um, app development with Swift? Or, I'm sorry. Using They're using Swift, Swift playgrounds. playgrounds. Yes, they are. They are. They're loving that. Um, so, you know, at Punahou, we are, um, we are one-to-one with iPads in the second and third grade. So every second and third grader has an iPad that they can use in school. And so we have Swift playgrounds loaded on all of those. And then we also have carts of iPads that are available to kids in the middle school. And I know that they, you know, Swift playgrounds is fairly new. So the kids in the middle school now did not have a chance to go through it when they were in second and third grade. So they're going through it now. But, you know, after this year, all of the second and third graders moving up into fourth grade will have gone through a Swift playgrounds curriculum. That's cool. Now, I also know that you have... You have a strong belief in this design-first approach to uh, coding and, and app development. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So, again, you know, our goal is really to kind of widen the net and get lots of different kids, in, you know, who are interested in computer science, who have always wanted to try it, taking some of our computer science courses. So that means... Um, everybody, you know, boys and girls and math folks, science folks, arts folks, humanities folks, we want to have everybody kind of in there. Um, but we're not expecting that everybody's going to major in computer science necessarily or um, understand all of the intricacies of algorithmic um, complexity and those kinds of things. Um, but we want to start with what kids first experience with apps um, is. And, and for most people, their first experience is uh, using all of the apps that are on their phone. And so we start with that thing that kids already love. Most kids have favorite apps. So, we'll, you know, we'll make a list. Which apps are your favorite? Which apps do you use every day? Which apps could you not live without? Um, for most kids, the apps they use most frequently, most frequently are on their homepage. So we'll ask them, you know, share the apps that are on your front screen and talk about why. And so we get kids thinking about why are some apps easier to use than others? What are the problems that apps solve? And we start with a design thinking approach towards identifying what it is that makes an app irresistible, what it is that makes a good game, what kinds of uh, problems apps are best adapted to solve. And um, you know, when we start teaching computer programming or when we start teaching coding uh, apps, for example, uh, it's you have to learn Xcode and then you also have to learn the Swift language and those are two big big places where there's a lot of learning that has to happen and so we actually use design and the idea of creating these prototypes uh, as a way to learn the interface of Xcode before we really dive deep into the, uh, the Swift programming language and you know there are some kids who, well, all kids who go through my iOS app development class, for example, will come out having programmed some kind of an app, either a simple app or a more complex app. Uh, so they learn a lot from that. But um, not all of them are going to go on and major in computer science, and that's okay. But I want every kid to be thinking like a designer when they come through our classes. That's fantastic. So they're using Xcode and they're storyboarding out some apps and then hooking them up later with the code? That's right. They're coming up with the uh, views. What are the views uh, that your app would present to the user? What are the different choices at, at various points that they would make? Uh, we talk about some examples of different apps that actually have very simple interfaces, but um, provide pretty robust uh, user experiences. Um, so, 
you know, there's there's a great app. There's an iOS app called Reigns, R-E-I-G-N-S. And that's actually a game. It's a it's about the simplest game of civilization that you can imagine. You're a monarch and you have to see how many years you can reign, but it's told using a Tinder-like interface. So it's cards and you swipe left or you swipe right. And so you know, they'll, they'll say, okay, we need more funding to build a granary to store more food for the populace. And you as the ruler, you're making a series of binary choices. And what's really interesting is a lot of these events come from history. And so you're really learning a fairly complex I, fairly complex ideas about history and the various forces that have shaped history through the ages, but it's told in a very simple interface, and it's, you know, it's it's fairly simple to program, and uh, you know, on the spectrum of uh, of iOS apps. And so to get across this idea that you can express complexity in a very simple way, that's a pretty important fundamental design idea. I think that's you know that we try to give kids. I think. One of the most powerful things you do, just as an outsider observing uh, what you do at Punahou, is that you do this design-first uh, concept. And even if a student is not interested in uh, coding or programming, they all use iPhones or iPads, and they know user interface. And that really is another avenue to bring them in and get them interested. And, and Doug is too modest to say, but his school is very successful in having students uh, earn WWDC scholarships. Doug and I were there together in 2015, <laughs> and you had, what, two students that year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I assume, what do you think of the new, the new requirement of no app but a Swift Playground? Swift Playgrounds, yeah, I think it's wonderful. In fact, I'm introducing that to all of my students, and I'm, you know, asking my students to start creating some Swift Playgrounds. And, you know, Hopefully we can get a few more kids attending this year. I, I bet you will. So you've taught other languages. You've taught um, Java, correct? Yeah. For the AP. How does Swift compare to that language or others that you previously taught? Well, um, you know, Swift kind of threw me at first because so much of the language seemed to be so loose. You know, it was well, I'm used it was to very statically typed, you know, <laughs> um, you know, variables and, you know, just it just, you know, it's like you could put semicolons in. You don't have to. If you do, it's OK. If you don't, it's OK, too. And, you know, you can use an emoji for a variable name and there are all kinds of things. So I think it's probably about the friendliest language I think that I've ever coded in. Um, but we, you know, we also want kids to understand what's going on uh, behind the scenes. And so that's the reason why, at least for our kids, we're putting them through uh, an introduction to computer science that's based on Harvard's CS50 course. And so we're giving kids a background in C where they actually have to, you know, C is an old language, and so they have to uh, manage their memory manually. They have to use malloc and free, you know, memory up when they're not using it. And I think it builds good habits. Uh, it might make me a little old school, but I think when kids hit Swift, their impression is, wow, this is really easy. <laughs> but I think they, it's deceptively so because it's a very powerful language also. And by the time our kids get there, they kind of they understand what a lot of the conveniences are. Well, that's that's very good observation. Um, what has been most surprising or what has been the most surprising thing to you in teaching Swift? Well, you know, I've got to say the use of the playgrounds is wonderful you know we we do an activity with kids where we have them you know generally when we introduce a new topic even at the advanced levels we always try to start with an unplugged activity first um, so we have the kids do some kind of an activity so we um, we play this game called fizzbuzz 
Um, and FizzBuzz is basically I thought, you have I kids thought you might in a go group. There. Yep, and they work. They they count from one to a hundred, and then you know if it's a multiple of three, you say fizz, and if it's a multiple of five, you say buzz, and um, if it's three and five, then you say fizz buzz. And this is a great opportunity to talk about conditional statements, branching conditional statements, um, if then else constructions, uh, the order and when the order matters. Um, but we actually code it in Swift Playground using a Swift Playground. And I think for me, one of the most surprising things about teaching Swift is the way that the Swift Playgrounds have been integrated into learning about it. And so, you know, we've actually taken this uh, idea of let's work from an unplugged activity into code to we go from the unplugged activity, then we go to a playground and have kids mess around in the playground, and then we go to the full. Uh, Xcode project, and we find that that um, scaffolding works well for most kids, um, and that really focusing on just what the code is doing and then immediately seeing the output of what you put in is really beneficial for learning. Yes, yeah, I, I I've been through uh, Doug's session where they show he shows the FizzBuzz activity. It's fantastic. Uh, do you share that anywhere? Is that uh, public? So other teachers um, could get a look at it? Yeah, I am actually... Um, if so, could we put me, it in the show notes? Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, let me see if I can pull that up, and I'll, I'll find a link to that. Absolutely. Okay, and I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, that would be great. How, has your, uh, how have your students responded to learning Swift? Um, I think on the whole, the kids uh, enjoy it. I think what the difference is for them, what makes a difference is having a good, a good curriculum and a good textbook. And so um, we've tried a bunch of different curricula that are out there on the web. Um, and, you know, by far the favorite for the kids has been the Everyone Can Code uh, curriculum because they, they feel that there's enough information there without being overwhelming. And so um, with that support, they find that that's very, uh, very helpful. Um, you know, again, I think what the kids find is just, you know, if you, I try to take the kids in the classroom and just play around in a Swift playground with them and say, you know, if they have questions rather than answering the question right off the bat, just saying, well, gee, let's try this out. Let's throw it into a playground. Let's see what the output is. Um, put some print statements in there so we can see what's going on. And I think the kids find that super helpful. So um, the other thing too, I mean, they, um, if they want to make an app, you know, they kind of have to go through Swift and Xcode. I think they find it difficult at first, and Xcode can be a bit overwhelming, but the motivation is there because kids want to share their work. They want to share something out. They want to use the App Store, and they want to put something out there that people can actually download and, and use. So I think um, what kids get captured by is the use. You know, what is it that this is going to be used for? And that that keeps them going through, you know, when the going gets difficult uh, in terms of learning a new language. Um, if they believe in what they're doing and why they're doing it, that helps a lot. That's really interesting um, that you bring up how Xcode is complicated. I know that one of the strengths, I think, of the app development with Swift uh, curriculum is that students are led through in Swift Playgrounds rather than launch them right into Xcode. So you have that simplified interface and they don't have to worry about all the stuff you have to worry about in Xcode. Uh, do you think that really is a strength of the course? I think so. And the course kind of, kind of goes back and forth between yeah. um, 
you know, understanding the Swift language and then understanding Xcode. And I kind of go, and, and I think it does a good job of moderating between those. When it starts to get a little bit overwhelming, then they switch over and then now you're in a Swift playground and you're really focusing in on the language itself. When the language itself starts to be, you know, you're kind of down in the weeds there, then you, you kind of go out to a storyboard and you can kind of see, oh, okay, here's, you know, here's what's going on. Um, what I also like about it is it does something that I think is pedagogically very strong. Um, you know, when we learn how to write, um, we don't just sit kids down and teach them how to write right off the bat. We usually start by having them learn how to read. And I think a lot of the time, the tendency in coding is to just jump right into the language and the syntax without really giving kids opportunities to read already written code and kind of read through and, dis and uh, sort of decode it and figure out what is this doing. And so uh, there are activities and projects in Everyone Can Code in, in the uh, App Development with Swift course that have kids downloading partially completed projects and then um, they have portions that are stubbed out and then they have to write code uh, to complete it. Um, but the graphics and the interface, a lot of that stuff's already been done. So it's helpful because then they can jump right into the code. Um, and of course, when you start, you start out by just doing the interface and then you can have code, put the code in. So, um, you know, it, it, it approaches it from both directions, which I think is smart. That's a really powerful point. Uh, said the former English teacher that it's important to be able to read and be able to read the code. But I think that's a that's a really excellent point. And one of the strengths of the course is that it does give students opportunity to read and look at it. And that's right. How you learn any language is you have to be able to read it as well. Absolutely. Right. And these talk about giving them an understanding of why it's so important to comment your code. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And so that future you knows what current you is thinking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Comments are important. All right. One last question, Doug. We have teachers listening to this podcast and it's for teachers. What suggestion or suggestions do you have to any teacher or school district that is considering starting to teach coding or currently just started um, or programming with Swift. Any suggestions? Well, you know, um, what's worked really well for us is to present code as a human activity. Code is really a means to an end. It's a means to solving a problem. And so I think, you, you know, we start by going out and ha asking kids to look at problems. What are some of the problems out there? And then of those problems, what are the, which of those problems can be solved with code? And, you know, sometimes an app is not necessarily what you need right off the bat. Um, sometimes what you're looking at is, in fact, not an app. Sometimes it's a web app. Um, or sometimes it's another different solution entirely, and then that's going to dictate the, the language. Um, I think they've always said if all you have is a hammer, then everything starts to look like a nail. So <laughs> I think our job is to get kids to be better creative thinkers, um, think about design, empathize with users and, and the problems that people have, um, and then start to think about how do you design a solution for them. And Swift is an incredibly powerful tool, but it's one of a number of different tools out there. And I think once you get kids to buy into the idea that we're really doing something that's valuable and that's going to help other people and that will make a difference in the world, then that kind of thinking will provide motivation, engagement, and it'll lead to the choice of, you know, the best tool for the problem. All right. Well said. Douglas Keong, everybody. I would like to thank Douglas for coming on the show today and sharing his knowledge and insight on teaching coding and Swift. I really enjoyed talking to Douglas. And if you enjoyed it half as much as I did, well, that means that I enjoyed it twice as much as you did. 
Please join us again in a couple of weeks for an exciting conversation that I'm going to have with three iOS developers of one of the top apps in the App Store. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating in iTunes. Thanks for joining me.